Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Hello everyone and welcome once again to our online platform. It's always a blessing to be able to come together in this way and share the Word of God and be able to fellowship around the Word of God. Um, it's been a wonderful time of fasting that we've just come out of today being the day of, of uh, the day after our fast. We've been on a fast as a church for 21 days, and I'm, I'm really convinced that God has done amazing things in our lives during this time. In the first week, we prayed for our personal lives. The second week, we prayed for the church and elements pertaining to the church. And on the third week, we prayed for the nation and government and the economy and everything else. And we are expecting that God is going to answer those prayers. And throughout the year, we will share many testimonies about things that we've been trusting God for even during these past few weeks. I want to encourage you, tomorrow is Monday. Join us for our prayer and fasting day because it doesn't end only with the 21 days, but we continue every Monday is our day of consecration and fasting where we come together and join one another, even in the venue, to pray together and to bless the Lord and minister to him in prayer and fasting. And so I want to really encourage you, especially the men, please join us for those sessions. And then uh, we have resumed our services. So far, the uh, restrictions have uh, a certain amount of numbers that we have to adhere to. But I want to encourage you to join us in person. We are adhering to all the different regulations. But there are the two services, as you could see, announced earlier on, and also the evening service. It's really very special and different when the people of God come together in fellowship and in unity. So I want to encourage you to make that effort. We're hoping that soon we'll be able to meet in normal fashion as well. And then obviously with everything going around COVID-19 and the various things that people are hearing and this person, that happened and all of that, I want to encourage you, look, all of those circumstances do not change who God is. And I want to encourage you to remain, keep your focus on the word and the truth of God despite everything that's happening while you're washing your hands and keeping your mask and all of that, that you make sure that your focus is on the word of God that is medicine to all of our flesh. I also want to in invite everyone that hasn't done Victory Weekend. You saw the ad advertisement earlier on the, the announcement. Please make sure that you don't miss out, especially if you haven't been baptized in water. This is the great opportunity where we go into your life and allow the Holy Spirit to expose and deliver many things that are holding you back. And after that time, we go into a time of baptisms. And so I want to really invite all of us to join in that. Awesome. So today we're continuing with our Awesome God series that started during the fast, an amazing series of revelation that we've had over the past couple of weeks. And so I want to pray for us before we go into this week's message. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that your word does not return void, that your word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And this morning, your word is penetrating between soul and marrow, bone and spirit. Lord, bone and, bone and, and marrow, soul and spirit. And Father, we pray, Lord, that transformation will take place this morning as we are around your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, bone, bone marrow and <laughs> soul and spirit. 
Amen. So today we're continuing in our series. Today we're talking about the name of God, El Shaddai. El Shaddai. And uh, we're going to read from Genesis chapter 35, verse 9 onwards. The word El Shaddai means God Almighty. El, God Almighty. Shaddai, the all-powerful God, the omnipotent God. I'm reading from Genesis here, chapter 35, from verse 9, speaking of Jacob. And so it says, after Jacob returned from Padan Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. And God said to him, verse 10, your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. And verse 11, and God said to him, I am God Almighty. I am El Shaddai. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you, and kings will be among your descendants. And in verse 12, it says, The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you, and I will give this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him at the place where he had talked with him. Jacob set up a stone pillar at the place where God had talked with him. And he poured out a drink offering on it, and he also poured oil on it. And verse 15, Jacob called the place where God had talked with him Bethel. And so this is the word of the Lord this morning, where God is revealing himself to Jacob as God Almighty El Shaddai. Now, going back to verse 9 and verse 10, you know, the story of Jacob, he is a descendant of Abraham. So the covenant blessings of, of, of Abraham are coming through the bloodline through from Abraham through to Isaac and on to Jacob. Now, when Isaac had two sons, the elder one was Esau and Jacob was the younger one. And somehow Jacob managed to follow and to gain the blessing of the, 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 the firstborn son. And this blessing was meant for Esau. But God's plan and purpose had it that from, from the onset, his plan was that the blessing would go through Jacob. And Jacob then has 12 sons and the, uh, the, the son Judah is the one through whom the bloodline of Jesus comes through. It's important here to notice that Jacob's name means supplanter. When he was born, he was a twin brother, twin brother of Esau. So he was younger in the sense that he was born after Esau. He came out after Esau. And the Bible says that he was holding his brother's ankle as he came out of the womb. And so his name was called supplanter or deceiver, Jacob. And so Jacob then has this experience where he takes advantage of the blindness of his aged father and then deceives his father in order to gain the blessing of the firstborn son. And once uh, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau eventually came around for the blessing, he, J Isaac said to, to Esau, I've given the blessing. 
It's gone. And it's amazing how that fatherly blessing then brings Jacob into all these encounters with God. He eventually goes and he marries uh, Rachel and, and Leah and, and the children of, of, of Jacob are then the, the sons of Israel. But at this point, this is where God then begins to change Jacob's identity from being a deceiver, supplanter, Jacob, the one who lies, to being Israel, the one who contends with God or he who wrestles with God. He who wrestles with God. And then God says to him, your name will be he who wrestles with God. And verse 11, and God said to him, I am God the Almighty, El Shaddai. That you are wrestling not just with anybody, you wrestled and prevailed with God the highest, the Almighty, the omnipotent God. This is amazing. This is amazing. Now the word of God is full of revelation about how powerful God is, how mighty God is. We understand from this series and even before that if God is God, he has to be the almighty. He has to be the all powerful. He has to be omnipotent. I want to take us through a couple of scriptures throughout the word of God that speak to this all powerful nature of God, that God can do anything. He is all powerful. He is amazing. He is omnipotent. This is who God is. And it is so important that we gain this revelation of God, that we understand that we are dealing with a God who has no supervisor, who has no, he has no account to man. He answers to himself. This is who we are talking about. Daniel chapter 4, verse 35. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but he does according to his will, in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth. And no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? This is who we're talking about. God the Almighty, El Shaddai. Isaiah 43 verse 13. Even from eternity, I am he. And there is none who can deliver out of my hand, says the Lord. I act and who can reverse it? Isaiah 14 verse 27, for the Lord of hosts has planned and who can frustrate it? And as for his stretched out hand, who can turn it back? Matthew 19, 26, and looking at them, Jesus said to them, with people, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. This is El Shaddai, the God with whom there are no limitations, the God with whom there are no impossibilities. It's not who God is trying to be, it is who he is. And it is an understatement even for me to try and explain his omnipotence. There is no comparison at all. We continue reading Genesis chapter 18 verse 14. It says, is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. God speaking about how nothing is impossible. It's not impossible for him because he is El Shaddai. Job chapter 42, verse 1 and 2. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted or can be hindered. 
Isaiah 26, verse 4 to 5, just on Job. It's amazing how God tolerated his questioning and then came back and questioned him and said to him, you have no right to question him. You have no right to question God. But later on, the word of God says that Job didn't sin in anything that he did. And he had to pray for his friends who were rebuking him for all the questions he was asking God. And yet, it didn't change God's nature. God is still El Shaddai. Isaiah 26, verse 4 and 5, it says, Trust in the Lord forever, for in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. For he has brought low those who dwell on high, the unassailable city. He lays it low. He lays it low to the ground. He casts it to the dust. And Luke chapter 1, verse 37, it says, For nothing is impossible with God. And, you know, for many of us, it seems as if this is obvious. But you'll be surprised that many, even believers, relate to God as if God cannot do what they are asking him to do. And you might say, no, but... You know, you've heard me pray and I say, oh God, you can do anything. You can do what you want. But in our hearts, the question is, do we believe that in truth? Acts 26 verse 8, we keep reading a couple of scriptures. Why is it considered incredible among you people if God does raise the dead? Speaking of something that seems to be impossible, and this is the question, God raises the dead. Jeremiah 32 verse 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? Rhetorical question from God. He says, I am the Lord. I am God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? El Shaddai. Deuteronomy 33 verse 27. The eternal God is a dwelling place and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he drove out the enemy from before you and said, destroy. He is the one that gave instruction to Israel. He's the one that delivered out of the hand of Egypt. And so today we're talking about this God, the El Shaddai, God almighty, all-powerful, omnipotent, Nothing too hard, nothing too difficult, nothing impossible, nothing above him, nothing restraining him, nothing that can limit him. This is awesome. And the, the amazing thing is that when God begins to get in relationship with us, we begin to have access to impossible situations because we are in relationship with a God who is greater than the impossible. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Sometimes we need to ask ourselves, do I really believe that God can do it? Do I really believe that nothing is impossible with God? And you know what? Most of the time, especially for religious people, the answer to that question will be yes. You ask them, can God do anything? Yes. Can God do this? Yes. Can God do that? Yes. Is there anything that God cannot do? No. 
Of course, we're not talking about things like sin and lying because the Lord is not a man that he should repent. He is also not the son of man that he should lie. And so there are certain things that God cannot do by virtue of his nature. But it's not because of his lack of capacity or, or, or his lack of power. Hallelujah. So this is the, the, the great revelation that I want to release to us this in this message. That God is all-powerful. Believe it in your heart. Act like it. Speak like it. Live like it. Especially if you are in relationship with this God. Now, this is the big question that I want to ask us today. What can limit an unlimitable and unlimited God? Is there anything that can limit an unlimitable and an unlimited God? I know it sounds like a contradiction because God being all powerful, the scriptures we've read say that nothing can limit God. He does what he wants. Anything is possible with God. And yet, when we look into the scriptures, we begin to see in the dispensation that God is working with mankind, that it seems as if there is this reliance on man's response that seems to limit God in a sense. Wow. And many times we ask, but if this is God's will, why isn't it happening? If it's God's will that this happens, why doesn't God just do it? If it's God's will that this happens, why doesn't it just happen? And this is what is important for us to consider. Because the truth is, we all know that God is all-powerful. But the question still lingers. Then in our experience, why is it that we don't see the all-powerful God expressed in our lives? I'm reading here from Psalm 78, verse 41, from the Orthodox Jewish Bible. It says again and again, speaking of the people of Israel in the wilderness on their way to the promised land. It says again and again, they turned back and tested God and imposed limits on Kadosh Israel, on the Holy One of Israel. I want to read that again. This is a tremendous scripture. It says here, that they turned back, they tested or provoked God, and they limited the Holy One of Israel. This is amazing. God's plan and purpose from the time when he reveals himself as Jehovah the Lord to Moses at the burning bush was not for Israel to linger in the wilderness and that generation to die there. But it was for them to enter into the promised land that God Almighty had promised them. And when Moses finally believed God, he went with the Lord into Egypt and there were 10 plagues that displayed the almighty, omnipotent nature of God Almighty. And he delivers them out of Egypt. He takes them through the Red Sea and they eat manna and they have quails and miracles are happening. By day, there's a cloud covering them. By night, there's a pillar of fire that is leading them. This is the Lord God Most High clearing the way before them. And then when they come to the threshold of their promised land, they turn back and die and perish 
in the wilderness. How many times have we heard from the word of God, from a prophetic word, from somebody's encouragement, God's plans for our lives? And how many times have we turned our backs on that and imposed limits on the almighty El Shaddai? And you might say, yeah, but what relevance is it if I'm limiting God in whichever way? He's still God Almighty, not to you. He's no longer God Almighty in your life, in your experience. And this is God's heart. Not just for us to hold a religious thought in our mind that God is Almighty, but that we experience Him. This is God's heart, that we know him, that we know him in experience and not just in intellectuality. God doesn't just want you to know him academically and theoretically because you read about him. He wants you to experience him. And this was Jacob's encounter, that God met him, encountered him, and gave him such a life-changing, a destiny-altering change. He changed his name and changed his destiny. And even Jacob, someone who was a deceiver, who was a liar, who didn't deserve to experience the strong, mighty arm of God, what became the father of Israel, despite his weaknesses, despite his, his own faults, he believed in God. He received this revelation that God is God Almighty in my life, and he experienced El Shaddai. What are some of the things that limit God? You know, many times, when I meet people who don't know Jesus, I speak to them and I ask them, okay, so do you know the Lord personally? No, I don't know the Lord. Okay, um, do you know that Christ died for you? Yes, and all of that. And then share the gospel with them and you ask them, so why haven't you given your life to Christ? And they say, well, I'm not ready. Or they give some other explanation. Or, um, no, if God wants to save me, he will come and save me. He'll find me where I am. That's not how it works. <laughs> But isn't God almighty? Isn't he all powerful? Let him do what he wants to do in my life. But this is the problem. This is the situation that in his almighty nature, in his omnipotence, God has made declarations and said, this is the way I will work with mankind. I will honor them in their free will. I will respect the dominion I've given to them. And I will collaborate with them. I will covenant with them. I will work through mankind to redeem even the sin of mankind. And this is why Jesus had to, had to become flesh. Had to become a man. Had to incarnate. Because the almighty God couldn't just intervene and lie and change his word. And so this almighty God wants to intervene in our lives. How will he do it? He will do it through his word in our lives. Some of the ways in which we limit God is through our disobedience. Many times God tells us, do this, and we say, no, I'm going to do that. You're limiting God. Some of the ways we limit God is through our forgetfulness. God has done amazing things in the past. We forget that, and we fail to build a memorial around that. And we limit God in our lives. Some of the ways, one of the key ways of limiting God is through unbelief. 
unbelief. It's what kept Israel out of the promised land, even though it was God's will for them to enter the promised land. Another way that people limit God is through worldliness, allowing the spirit of the world to dictate our lives instead of following the spirit of Christ. Another way that we limit God is through insincerity. Another way is ingratitude, being unthankful. Another way is idolatry, replacing the place of God in our hearts with something else. And in all these ways, what happens is our heart is close to what God wants to do in and through us. And you might say, how can this be? We just read about how God cannot be limited. He's the unlimitable, unlimited God. And yet, for the sake of relationship, he has determined that he will stoop low and he will come and he will be, he will weaken himself into the flesh of man. Like, like it says in the word that Jesus became subject even to the point of death for the sake of redemption, for the sake of re- relationship. This is key. If God is to be unlimited in your life, you must open your heart in an unlimited way. And you say, how do I open my heart in an unlimited way? Faith. (laughs) Faith. Hebrews 11, it goes throughout the whole chapter, speaking of people who were ordinary, and they managed to take hold of extraordinary things as if the unlimited God was more unlimited in their lives. People like Abraham, who, gave, who had a son in his, in his old age. People like Daniel, who shut the mouths of lions. People like Samson, they subdued nations. Elijah, these were normal men and women of, of like passions, like us. Feelings, emotions like us. But they had a revelation of El Shaddai and they determined, I will not limit God in my life. It doesn't matter if my parents limit God, I will not. If my siblings limit God, I will not. If my spouse limits God, I will not. If my pastor limits God, I will not. It doesn't matter who's around you. You are able to access the full grace and favor of the Lord. But most of the time, the limit is here. It's inside. And today, as we're doing this series, it's to open your eyes so that you can realize that faith pleases God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We have access into this grace, this salvation through faith. You might say, no, if God wants to save me, he will save me wherever he is. His arm is not too short to save. His ear is not too dull to hear. He will save me where I am. (laughs) If you do not repent and believe the gospel, you are limiting God. There are many people who are going to hell because they have put on God what God has decreed and declared as the Almighty that they must comply with. Let's look here as we close at Jesus. When he was on earth, he was speaking to the Pharisees. And this is what he said to them. Mark chapter 7, verse 13. Your traditions nullify the word of God. Your, tra- your traditions and the, the ways and the thinking of man, your religious traditions have rendered the word of God of no effect in your life. Can you imagine? This is Jesus. He's God in the flesh standing right in front of you. 
And he's saying, you are limiting me because of your mindset, your traditions, your religion. And then we go to Matthew chapter 13, verse 58, where Jesus was in his hometown, where everyone was familiar with Jesus. They know that his family are carpenters. They know he's the, he's the son of Mary and Joseph and the brother of this guy and that, uh, and that lady. And this is what happened in Nazareth. It says, in his hometown, he could do do no mighty work there except heal a few people. This was Jesus, the very son of God. It doesn't say he would not. It doesn't say that he didn't want to do mighty works there. It says he could not do any mighty work there because of their unbelief. The Bible says he marveled. He, he, He marveled. Jesus was shocked. At their unbelief, their offense, because of their familiarity. Are you familiar with God? Have you become familiar with the word of God? When someone is talking about the miraculous, have you become familiar with it? Have you become offended with it? Are you limiting God in that way? And it wasn't even as if Jesus wanted to withhold because the Bible says that he did lay hands on a few people and healed them. So he was eager to do it. But because of the attitudes of the hearts of the people, They limited the Holy One of Israel. Today, as we trust the Holy Spirit for a greater revelation that he is indeed El Shaddai in our lives, I really want to call us to a place of repentance as we close. That there are many of us that you might have grown up in a religious home, but that's all it is. It's religion. It's acts and duties and responsibilities that you do because you think that it will clear your conscience. But you have not yet encountered the almighty living God in your life in a true and living way. I mean, I can share many testimonies about how the Lord just intervened in my life, in the lives of others. And he is eager to do that. He is not like the God of the pagans that is a a wood and a a piece of, of gold or silver that was carved by human hands and cannot speak and cannot understand and cannot see. We serve a living God. And you ask me, okay, how, how do I make that change? First and foremost, repent of your religious attitude towards God. Repent of your offended attitude towards God. Repent of your religion and your, 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 your self-righteous approach to the things of God. And turn and say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know you. And how are you going to know God? Through his word. As you are in the word of God, God will reveal himself to you. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Make room for God in your life. You know, if someone is real in your life, they will consume your time. I remember when I got married, and I remember when I got children, when I had the first one, and the second one, and the third one. And what happens with the increment of all that family in, your time is reduced. Less time for yourself, more time for the wife, more time for baby number one, more time for baby number two, more time for baby number three. And there are some of us that God has entered our lives and it hasn't consumed any of our time. 
and it shows you you are being religious. And sometimes we're in the word and getting revelation from the word and God wants to speak to us and we're like, Lord, hold on, I'm studying the scripture. <laughs> and it's amazing how even religious things can keep us from experience the almighty El Shaddai. El Shaddai. I want to encourage us, you know, God is eager to demonstrate demonstrate his omnipotence. It says the eye of the Lord goes to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for whom, on whose behalf he can be strong. He wants to demonstrate his might. In, in Daniel, it says the people who know their God shall be strong and will do mighty exploit. In their own strength, no. They will have the power and the might of God demonstrated in their lives. And you might say, yeah, but I prayed for this and it didn't happen. I prayed for that and it didn't happen. You are not the word of God. <laughs> Stop using your experiences as the benchmark. Realize that we go back to the word of God and we continue to have our mind renewed. As we have our minds renewed, we will surely prove the word of God in our lives. I'm ending with this Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And today I want to invite us. Jesus, the Father, is knocking at the door of various areas of our hearts. Let's begin to trust in the Lord. Let's begin to once again renew our faith in the Lord. Let's begin to elevate our eyes to the Lord. Let's have our names changed. Let's have our identity reassigned like Jacob. Let's have the God who is El Shaddai revealed to us in our hearts. And let's trust and believe that it will not only end up in knowledge, but that it will even end up in the results that we see in our lives. I want to pray for you. I, I see someone in my heart right now. You are crying because you are very disappointed with God. And uh, you've trusted him for big things in the past. You've seen some things and then you hardened your heart after something. There was a crisis you went through. And then it seemed like God didn't come through for you. But the word of God says he makes all things work together for good for them that love him and are called according to his purpose. And Father, I want to pray right now for every person whose heart has been hardened in unbelief, in offense, Lord God. And Father, through religion and through all the cold-heartedness of disappointment and the hard knocks of life, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for your healing grace this morning, this afternoon, whenever they are listening to this, Lord, that they'll be touched in their hearts, Lord, right now, and that they'll repent of their offense and repent of their hardness of heart. Father, we pray today, Lord, that people's faith will be stirred, Lord, as they are hearing that you are the Almighty, that they will not limit and re restrict the Almighty, the unlimited God. Father, I pray for 
testimonies to start coming, starting from today, as they once again open their hearts, as we once again open our hearts, Lord God, to the almighty El Shaddai. Nothing is impossible. That this will be our language. Nothing is impossible with God. I can make it. With God, all things are possible. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That our hearts, out of the abundance of our hearts, our mouths will speak. That God will begin to consume our time. That relationship with El Shaddai will be the marker of our lives, Lord. And I thank you that your word this morning will begin to transform many, many hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Awesome. May the Lord continue to reveal himself to you in a real way. We pray for many encounters this week with the Holy Spirit. And may you continue to focus on the word of God as you grow in him. Have a wonderful, wonderful, blessed day. And we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.